0: Gerhardt's back
1: the more things change the more they stay the same from Nj 1015com this is the new Jim Gerhardt podcast once again Jim Gerhardt along with my good friend and uh, learned colleague Bob Williams <laughs> and uh, we're here again we'll uh, see can we get this big thing off the ground this morning yep lots a love to on. talk about I, I know 911 by the time this is posted 911 will be a few days behind it's irresistible to talk about it and there is a a, a horrible story. Involving that i don 't mean horrible in the sense of any more destruction or terrorist activity, but a response by this new generation of academics mm-hmm. to that that meant so much to us at the time they seem to have be oblivious to the whole thing mm-hmm. uh, the uh, uh, oh, oh comrade Murphy now yeah. <laughs> I understand is appropriating two point something million dollars to defend Illegal aliens who have uh, been declared eligible for deportation.
0: Oh, that—that'll we'll, we'll be able to talk about that for a few minutes. Right? So we'll
1: talk about that a little bit more this yeah. morning. I think there are better ways you could spend <laughs> that. And, 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 and would you would you please uh,
0: give us your commentary at some point uh, about Cory Booker? About oh, his no, antics? Oh, yeah, we're going to
1: talk about that. Yeah. Cory Booker has declared himself the new Gandhi <laughs> and the new Martin Luther King. I never saw anybody who wanted to be president so bad. Yeah. It's like a guy that has to pee, you know, and he, he's, he, can't, he can't get out of the car on the trip. <laughs> and he's, he's just doing anything, anything to blow. And it's embarrassing. Mm. We have two two senators, who are an embarrassment to us.
0: And we have a guest uh, a guest uh, on the phone in a couple of seconds here. Oh right? yeah,
1: we're going to talk. First of all, we're going to talk to uh, our friend and uh, the inventor Mike Strisky, who has some uh, very interesting what comments on the future of fossil fuels. The uh, U- Public Utilities Commission announced I saw on the radio station here they announced they're going to have some hearings they're asking people for ideas to get away from fossil fuels well here's a guy who has got great ideas but 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 they got the door jammed on him <laughs> and we'll talk about that yeah. coming up and uh, Jim if you
0: want to if you want to get in touch with Jim here at the podcast give us some ideas about the show it's easy to do the email for Jim Gerhardt is Jim at Nj1015.com.
1: My good friend Mike Strisky is with us here. Mike is uh, sort of the new generation's uh, Thomas Edison. He is a New Jersey inventor who has come up with some amazing things. And notably right now, Mike is a pioneer in the field of alternative energies. And uh, that came up in the news, a move by the Public Utilities Commission. But I wanted to talk to Mike, and then we'll get back to, to them. Uh, Mike, let's talk first of all. Now, you brought a hydrogen-powered car. It's a beautiful car that you gave me the chance to drive. You brought that from California. And you are or were in the process of setting up uh, fueling stations in New Jersey, and have run into—I take it—a little snag.
2: Well, yeah, there's uh, there's been uh, more than one snag, but you know, obviously, the uh, this is a changeover to you know from horse and buggy, from fossil fuel to the next generation, which is you know a hydrogen society. Um, It's a natural progression, but you know, they're so entrenched in New Jersey uh... you know with the you know fighting all alternative energies if you remember the electric vehicle mandate that Mm -hmm. they were fighting that up to you know you know the new governor took uh... took charge but right now this is the next evolution where um... it's basically going to displace fossil fuels or at least curtail them uh... considerably especially in the transportation sector and in uh... you know alternative energies for you know Homes okay. cars businesses uh, the technology's here we 've yep. been developing this since the '60s since the space program, and uh, you know after you know years and years of research and advances in material science, the technology is now affordable. you know you can go out and buy a hydrogen fuel cell powered vehicle in California and soon in the northeast
1: All right, let me let me let me jump in here now because this brings us around to the the point I was getting to uh, and so the The replacement of fossil fuels is possible. It is here. Now, the New Jersey uh, Public Utilities Commission, as I understand it here, has scheduled five meetings. And they're going to consider ways and they're trying to come up with ways to eliminate fossil fuels from the state's energy mix. Now, it's already there and they're going to try to eliminate it, why Why are... Somebody is on the other side of this equation who is sort of uh, pushing back against it.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's the nature of the beast. You know, when things don't make sense, you've got to follow the money trail. You know, and the money trail goes back to taxes. You know, the government doesn't want to eliminate it because a lot of tax money is generated from fossil fuels. Um. Uh, You know, they'll tax, you know, hydrogen, but, you know, it's a lot of work to do it, and, you know, change is hard, you know. But eventually everything is going this way. If we do not do it here in New Jersey and follow California's lead, basically we're going to be putting the state at a disadvantage. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. Donald Trump saying we're going back to coal. Well, why don't we go back to landlines and abacuses instead of computers? Technology never runs in reverse, and if it does you end up extinct like the dinosaurs, just like Kodak, mm-hmm. when they refused to adopt digital technology, yeah. which they created.
1: Now, this this has gone a bit beyond the automobile, because you uh, just got back from uh, Greece, and yeah. you are having, you're setting up or working with the people to set up hydrogen fuel uh, energy for all of their energy needs on a whole populated island over there.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're in the land of, you know, sunshine, uh, you know, and moderate temperatures, you know, doing hydrogen, you know, is a no-brainer. It's like, you know, uh, dying of thirst and having an ocean of water in front of you. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you have the technology to desalinate it, but, you know, you'd rather buy it.
1: <laughs> you, you've you also got uh, so many things that you have developed that you have done that are here there is a definite need for, and yet for somehow they are not being commonly accepted. For example, the water purification which is going to be a huge thing at some time as we run out of potable water.
2: Yeah, I mean, I developed something about, the, you know, eight years ago called the Hydra. And the Hydra can take any fresh water source um, and turn it into potable water, you know, with uh, 50 watts of electricity to do uh, 10,000 gallons a day. This technology's existed. It's called ultrafiltration. And uh, it basically a filter is so small, viruses and bacteria can't pass the filter. So you're using a physical barrier, unlike relying on UV light or chemicals to do the job, which, you know, are expensive Mm -hmm. and don't do it. I mean, the problem is is they don't want you to do things that are free. I mean, Dean Kamen, who invented the slingshot, was able to get nowhere because the the people that needed it didn't have the money to pay for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get to what you're up to right now. You are in New Jersey for a while, Uh, You're a New Jersey resident, a New Jersey person. We first met when you were with the uh, Jersey Department of Transportation. So you're not a Californian by either birth or natural disposition. (laughs) It's just that they are accepting some of this technology that we are not. But you're here now with the car. Now, I understand that uh, people interested in this technology, you have the Toyota. What's the model called? It's a beautiful car.
2: It's called the Mirai, M-I-R-A-I, and it means future in Japanese. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, after Fukushima, uh, you know, the Japanese, who have no fossil fuel resources, decided that, you know, they're, they're done with, you know, putting recycled batteries into the environment. They're going to do something that is really totally sustainable. So, you know, you're looking at a vehicle that is 96% recyclable rather than, you know, a battery car, which after five years ends up in the landfill because... It's not cost-effective to recycle lithium-ion batteries. Mm -hmm. There are mountains of these things in Afghanistan that no one wants.
1: Are we shipping them to Afghanistan
2: to get rid of them? No, uh, basically after all the wars, all the military used lithium-ion batteries, and they just threw them away and left them there, (laughs) just like you normally do with war. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Leave Uh, a lot of remnants behind. Yeah.
1: But but anyway, uh, I I think you're having a a show or shows now where people can actually see this for themselves.
2: Yeah, this Mirai I brought back with the uh, sole intention of getting it out to the kids that are going to be working on these vehicles. All of the Votech schools, you know, that work on mechanics need to start uh, gearing their curriculum to work on the next generation of vehicles. Every major auto manufacturer is building hydrogen fuel cell cars, but the students know nothing about it. Half of the population, if you're not in California, don't know what a fuel cell vehicle is and what it can do. An electric car, you're looking at taking, uh, you know, 12 hours, 15 hours to recharge, and every cycle becomes less and less till the battery's dead. Hydrogen stays the same for 25 years. Uh, It has no shelf life as a fuel, and you're looking at being able to fuel up in four minutes, not 14 hours.
1: Well, now you've got the car. You have the charging uh, technology, uh, and and you're intention was to set up these stations in New Jersey so they could join, you know, other states who are, are availing themselves of this. But you're running into some snags, I understand, with trying to set up the fueling station.
2: Yeah, the, the, the permitting process, you know, they've made uh, arduous, where we've been able to get permits in other states like Connecticut and Massachusetts, which are, you know, farther ahead than us. You know, here they're, they're doing everything they can to slow this thing down. You know, the thing is, is it makes more sense to do it in New Jersey because we're the most densely populated state in the nation, and if you put five refueling stations in, you can get from one end of the state to the other, unlike California that needs 30 stations to do the same thing. Well,
1: Mike, who who is slowing it down? Is this something concerted, or is this sort of a knee-jerk habitual thing that we're going to protect the oil industry? or Is this local? Is it state? Or who's actually throwing the, 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 uh, the wooden shoe into the works?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Department of Community Affairs has a lot to say about it, and they slowed me down here in trying to get my house approved. Now, what the heck a homeowner was supposed to be doing in front of the Department of Community Affairs, I still have yet to figure out, but they took me to court twice to try to pull my permits on an already completed installation, you know, back uh, 10 years ago. So, you know, they have the power to basically run you around in circles indefinitely. And, you know, this technology needs to be accelerated, not, not thwarted. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if the governor wants to be as you know, environmentalist as he says he is, he needs to get behind the cure for the disease, not the treatment. All
1: right. Now, information about what you were doing is online at your website. It was a fascinating website. And it's, uh, as I remember it, it is hydrogenhouseproject.org.
2: Or, correct.
1: hydrogenhouseproject.org. And you can find out. Do you have any, like, petitions on there that people could... Uh uh, we,
2: are, we are looking for donations, and we are looking for uh, internships, anybody who wants to get behind the push to move us into the next millennium. I mean, this is the only technology we have that, you know, that can curb global warming and turn the ship around and go yeah. the other way.
1: And it's here. It's just trying to break up the, uh, the roadblock.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, as soon as the volumes get up just a little bit, everything is going to be extremely cost-effective. Advancements in, you know, uh, fuel cells have taken the uh, most expensive part out of it, which is the precious metal catalysts, and replaced them with things Mm -hmm. like cobalt and nickel, Mm -hmm. which are, you know, inexpensive and plentiful. So we are at the turning point right now, which is what Toyota says, where, you know, you can be a leader or you can be a follower, and it's not Mm -hmm. going to be whether you adopt this technology, it's going to be when.
1: All right, Mike, Uh, no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, I do appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a very, very busy person. I appreciate you taking your time, and good luck. Keep in touch, please.
2: All right, thanks, Jim. I appreciate it. Thanks for being a crusader as well.
1: All right, anytime.
2: All right,
1: bye. Mike Strisky, and uh, it's amazing, Bob, that uh, all this stuff is here now. The future is here, but uh, they're sort of circle the wagons around are the commercial interests and and the political interests.
0: Mike better be careful, otherwise he's going to be public enemy number two right behind uh, Governor Christie with the uh, gas tax. He'll... Probably be blamed for raising the gas tax because they won't be using enough fossil fuel to, to substantiate the cost.
1: See, see it, it get, <laughs> it, it's like a big ball of snakes intertwined yeah. and just as deadly for the, uh, for, for the citizen. Yeah. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a moment, but we have a good word for you here. Hi, I'm Jim Gerhardt. I'd like to tell you another story about Robert DeKansky at Remax First Advantage. Now, as I've said, Rob keeps a huge list of buyers trying to locate homes. Now, an investor in Port Reading found out why this database of buyers is so important when he bought and renovated a home, but that home was sitting directly across from the turnpike. Now, he knew that wasn't going to be an easy sale, so he turned it over to Rob DeKansky. No problem. Rob and his team came in, they designed a specific marketing plan, and then they matched buyers to it. And after just 13 showings in two weeks, a bidding war took place and got him over the asking price. Now, that's the power of Robert Dukansky. Rob guarantees to sell your home at a price and a deadline you agree to, or he'll buy it. No risk to you, because he'll let you out of the contract anytime you wish. So, the official real estate agent of NJ1015, and the only agent I would ever call if I needed to sell my home, Rob Dukansky. Call him today, 855-350-1015. 855-350-1015. Or go online to Rob Sells 1015 com, and as I tell you, start packing. Well, again, uh, the seventeenth uh, anniversary of nine eleven just passed. Has yeah. just passed on uh, Tuesday. Tuesday, I've got an anniversary today too. I come to think of it, I, I never thought of that nine twelve. That three years ago today is when I did the Olympic cellar dive. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: On my head down my cellar stairs. Oh,
0: God, you, you really escaped serious injury. Thank yeah. God you uh, you survived that, Jim. It's, it's
1: very interesting. That's another story. I didn't mean to, to trivialize the 9-11 mention. It just popped into my head. Hey, yeah. but... Uh, and there were observances of course. Mm-hmm. it seems to be fewer every year because fewer people actually remembered or pay any attention mm-hmm. to it.
0: but the but the big ones at Ground Zero and the one out in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. with the dedication of the new uh, monument out there in uh, Shanksville PA mm-hmm. that was pretty big. The president uh, attended that with the first lady.
1: What hit me though is as part of this this uh, uh, this pandemic of ideological bilge that's going on. This tsunami of the patently idiotic isms and taboos that kids are getting. Now, we have got a whole generation of kids who are being indoctrinated into this idiocy. Now, here's a great example. Dealing with 9-11. Now, this is at a college called Ripon College in uh, Wisconsin, I believe it is. Now, there were some kids on the campus. Not, any, not a group. I mean, not an organized conservative group or anything. They had prepared posters Commemor- for the anniversary of 9-11. And the poster says, let us not forget. Well, the school banned them. They banned them. They could not put up such posters commemorating or uh, uh, what, remembering 9-11 on the campus because, and here is what the administration said, such a banner saying, let us not forget, exclusively targets Islamic terrorism. Now, the banner didn't say that, or the poster didn't say that. But just by bringing up 9-11, exclusively targets Islamic terrorism. Oh, gosh. Well, yes, yeah. but okay, back to them. It creates an environment where students from a Muslim background would feel harassed. Now, oh, God! remembering 9-11, now I'm trying to recall exactly who killed 3,000 innocent people and wrought havoc. Uh, white heterosexual males, Americans? No, I don't think so. The Fort Dix Marching Band? No. Uh, possibly the Harlem Globetrotters? (laughs) Uh, the Lakewood Blue Claws? No. Uh, I thought it was Islamic fanatic terrorists. So the administration of this college uh, put in this ban? Oh, yeah. They banned it, officially banned it, for that reason, because... Any remembrance, any recollection, remembrance of 9-11 brings up Islamic terrorism. And they thought that that, that, is, uh, that is harassing. Now, I don't know how many Muslim students they have on their campus, how many are potential terrorists or how many are not. Uh, but uh, was, there, was there any community blowback on this one? Not that know? I know of no. because I just saw the story when it first came out. Hmm. But, but it was banned. So, so here again, I mean, the point is, if this is widespread, this is part of this idiocy on college campuses, then this is what your children or ours are being indoctrinated with. So we cannot remember that or put up any remembrance of it if this spreads beyond the college campuses. And how could it not when our kids, a whole generation of kids, are being indoctrinated with this crap? But uh, the, the reason that I would say to them that it brings up the idea of Islamic terrorists is the people who did it said <laughs> That they that's they who they were. They said that's why they're doing it. They said it. I didn't say it. I didn't know any of them. Yeah. I didn't point at it. They said they were doing it. It's beyond any uh, possible doubt that they did it. And yet kids are being taught that they should not remember that.
0: And you think about the kids uh, 17 years ago. A lot of the kids may not even have known the parent or loved one who perished on 9-11-2001. Mm, sure. They're graduating high school this year, those kids that were yeah. born in 2001.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. You've got a whole generation locked into some state of arrested ideological development here. And uh, it's, it's, you remember the kid in Texas, the uh, affluenza defense Here was a kid, a very spoiled kid from a rich family in Texas. He was drunk. He was high on drugs. He was out driving, and he hit a car, killed four people. He was tried for vehicular homicide. His defense, which, believe it or not, in Texas worked, was that he was suffering from what the lawyer said is, we will call it affluenza. He is so affluent. He's had everything he ever wanted. He's never known anybody to say no. Therefore, he could not be held responsible for this act. And the jury bought it. Oh, God. Uh, uh, but you've got, a, you've got a whole generation here who are going to be afflicted with affluenza. They've never known any hardship. What's the hardest thing any of these kids ever encounter? It is getting the right seat at a rock concert or something. Here or they're go. bitter because they didn't become a rock star when they were eight years old. But they've had everything. They don't recognize that the generations before had undergone some very, very serious uh, things in their time. And life is not all frivolity and gimme and uh, running around with your pants down, your shower spouting gibberish, or uh, worshiping some adenoidal yodeler <laughs> who's pretending to be presenting music.
0: I think you're answering your own question on why are we in this handbasket. Yeah,
1: these okay. are these are yeah.
0: great examples. Yeah
1: well it's an interesting thing from from my life and perspective here i I can remember the depression i can remember i was young of course i could remember world War two very well and I know what the our my parents everybody went through at that time it was very very tough kids were not uh given anything to satisfy any whim they might have uh and uh the upside of that was people were very cooperative with one another. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty healthy time, I think emotionally anyway. But then you have the war. And I can remember, and of course you can't expect a young person nowadays too, but I can remember very clearly, among my first memories are neighbors, especially Minnie Creasy, the lady next door, out on her knees in the yard wailing and crying. And here was this official military-looking car in front with a guy in a, a naval uniform telling her that Pete, her son, had been killed in the Battle of Midway. He was part of Torpedo Squadron 8, which is very famous. Only one person came back. But they pretty much turned the tide of the Battle of Midway, which turned the tide of the war. But anyway, and that was just one. And I knew these. They were the big kids, you know, at the time. All of a sudden, they were off somewhere. Here, I see them come back. And, uh, you know, here's, here's the mother, the family.
0: But you never forget that, years of later. you don't forget of it. Of
1: course you don't, course forget, you don't forget it. But this went on and on. So many people who had died for this country and what it stood for, now you get a, and almost a whole political party now, but certainly the left wing of the Democratic Party and the academic world and the media is presenting America as uh, an evil, wicked, degenerate country that has to be outlawed. In other words, we have to open the borders. And so... the uh, the, uh, I guess the immigration is almost another matter, but not, not altogether another matter. But to get back to that, just a segue before I have to go down and pour cold water on myself, uh, the, uh, we talked about the governor now has appropriated, or is appropriating uh, millions of dollars for legal defense for people in the country illegally who are being held in detention awaiting deportation for one reason or other. I don't think they deport people for fun anymore. There's too much pressure to not deport anybody. Uh, And go, oh, yes, the Obama administration deported hundreds of thousands of people, as I understand it. So it's nothing new you can blame on Trump. This is how the process works. And uh, it was illegal to come here in the first place. But, of course, we've gotten past that. They want open borders. But what this is all about, this is not that any politician or anybody's heart is bleeding for some poor... Uh, unemployed Mexican farmers, uh, or somebody who's being harassed in Guatemala, or you know wherever it is, this is all about votes, voter recruitment. It's voter recruitment is the whole damn thing, and so these same politicians who've sold everything out that they possibly can for money to continue their little petty power, this is what's going on, and people should know that they should see that. Nobody seems to care, but it's all votes. No matter what they tell you, what kind of bills they feed you, uh, what kind of left-wing ideology they come around and try to give you in an enema, uh, or your kids, uh, this is what it's all about. You notice there's very little turnover now, even in the state of New Jersey in the state house. They've got these things, these positions, these jobs so locked in the political parties, and they would sell out anything just to keep the power. They don't care. So now, open borders is the big thing. What is it? To uh, oh, didn't they have a demonstration? Um, over the weekend, I think, in, in Trenton. Uh, mm. People demanding that they uh, eliminate the Department of Immigration, mm. uh, Customs and Immigration Department, so that uh, so we're going to open the borders up. But anyway, but the thing is, if you've got... Why in the world, if, if what I said were not true, and it's all political, you would take that money, that whatever two-point or three-point, whatever it is, millions of dollars you want to spend on immigration, you would give that to help people who are in this long, expensive line trying to immigrate legal, legally. Legally, of course. They need, they need your help. Yes, they do. And they're, they're doing this. And in effect, they don't have to. You have to admire people looking for legal citizenship or, or legal status in the country because of what they have to go through. And all they had to do was just go down and come in. Yeah. Uh, and yet they're doing it legally. You have to admire them. I, I would lay some money on them mm. in appreciation. And then there's Senator Spartacus. Oh, God. Is that what they're calling him now, Senator Spartagus? <laughs> well, that's what he calls himself. Oh, oh, God. This Senator, I hate to say it, <laughs> Booker. You know, this man had so much promise when he was running against Sharp James for uh, mayor, which he lost the first time out, then a later time he, he won, mayor of Newark. Uh, and they had a, a, a documentary called Street Fight. And here was a guy, and you couldn't help but support it. you you'd love Cory Booker, then he gets political power, and that's uh, right you, you the jury's you, out on what he did in Newark.
0: you thought he was going to get rid of that stench of uh, governor of, of uh, Mayor James in Newark and yeah. clear that out, but obviously he did not yeah.
1: well, the thing is it's it's like uh, somebody I think one of the fish and game people, which is another subject here they're talking about the governor's banning bear hunting on state-owned property. And one of the people said something, uh, whether it was relevant to that or not, I don't know, but it was interesting. He said the governor's turning out to be just another politician who, when running for office, promises everything, gets elected, and then starts backtracking on everything. Mm-hmm. And this is it. It's all about petty power. And what is scary about it, uh, I think of Eric Fromm, the great psychoanalyst, psychologist, sociologist, one of the great brains of the last century. He said the lust for power is not based in strength but rather in weakness. You got the world being run by a bunch of nuts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's probably just a couple of days now, Jim, before uh, Senator Spartacus announces
1: his candidacy for president. Oh, I, I didn't know it had gotten that far. Well, we know Why? he wants to be president. Yeah. And I tell you, if he, he could get elected president. People are just that wacky. Mm. And what he did in the Senate was... It had no relevance to anything. But you know, again, speaking of that, boy, we're jumping around here today. But speaking of these Senate hearings on the Supreme Court nominee, right? what an embarrassment. How immature can grown people in a position of power be? Was the other party, the Democratic Party, with his pre-staged rehearsed uh, riot. Right. Is what a pandemonium they're trying to create. They cannot get over the fact, or their leadership will not let them get over the fact. See, here's a problem. All of these people are rather small fish, the members of the Congress, compared to the big picture. And yet all of them depend on the party for support when they're running for re-election. The number one item on any of their agendas is their re-election. A politician cannot think beyond the next election. And so they depend on that for, for money. Now, if the main party, the heads of the party, say, do this, if they say... Poo, your belt buckle hits the floor because you cannot win without them. If you buck the party, like for example in the U.S. Senate right now, we are told that Schumer, who's the head uh, grand exalted juju bee of the lodge, has told any member of the Senate who votes for anything or supports anything Donald Trump does and does not oppose Donald Trump and everything will not get party financial support when he runs for reelection. We'll give our money to your opponent. And the worst thing and so they' could, they're all being blackmailed into this 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 out, this riotous outpouring
0: and the worst thing that can happen to the Democrats right now is the hurricane that's uh, bearing down on the Carolinas it's taken the Democrats out of the news cycle everybody's <laughs> talking about the hurricane they <laughs> can't wait good. for
1: the hurricane to get through excellent point excellent yeah. point so they, they have to keep the, uh, the pot boiling but just the the immaturity of the response and all because they have some notion. These are the people in leadership positions, not, you know, if you have a friend or I do, you know, we're all if we were Democrats, it's not them. Or even some of the, the political people have not gone that far. But the leadership, uh, first of all, the open borders, so for votes, it'll all be Democratic votes, they'll perpetuate themselves in power forever. But the fact that we did not, the country did not elect Hillary Clinton to sit on the throne in Washington, which was, she was their person, and this is their God-given right. Look at this, Maxine Waters. God has told her now. I don't know in what form. Burning bush. Somebody set the taco stand on fire in her district, he or you know, her, whatever it was. A dream, yeah. Yeah, but but that's uh, yeah. God has talked to her and told her her mission is to bring down Donald Trump. Uh, so many things to talk about, Bob, and so little time. We'll have to wait till next week, Jim. Well, no, I have to go down and. I get that bucket of water. You get that bucket of water pour yeah, all on it. Fire. up here. Uh, I, I was just looking around to see if we missed anything. We missed a whole lot. <laughs> we'll get it next it, time. It's still going to be there next week. Hey, thank you, Bob, very, very much as always. Thanks for listening to the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. Still cooking, and it's bigger than ever. From NJ1015.com.